Welcome to Music, Hope, Word, and Prayer, a podcast of rich music, hopeful prayer, and inspiring meditations with East Brentwood Presbyterian Church, a community church in the greater metropolitan area of Nashville, Tennessee. We are a faith community made up of a loving, welcoming family of believers in honest conversation with God. We seek to emulate the ministry of Jesus through compassionate service, with stimulating and relevant exploration of God's Word, and by sharing that Word and God's many blessings with our neighbors in Middle Tennessee and around the world. Hello, welcome to Music Word Hope and Prayer. This is John Hilly, and as always, joining me is Nate Strasser. And in this episode, and for the next five or so episodes, we're focusing on questions. Uh, a mentor of mine, Peter Block, once said, there's nothing like a good question. A good question is one that can make the person asking the question nervous in the asking. We think that in the turbulence of these past few years, many of us are asking big questions about our lives and about our faith. Uh, We hope that what is said today and in the next couple of episodes will help you unpack in some way um, something that is kind of honest and faithful in our lives to some of the big questions that are out there. So many of our weekly questions will feel restorative. How do we begin again? Some questions are hopeful and curious. Our questions won't necessarily lead to answers, but they can help us find clarity, a new perspective. And here's the key. We hope a wider grace. So Nate, as a good question, is something that makes the asker nervous. Are you feeling nervous at all? Can't say that at the moment very nervous. We've been doing this podcast thing a while now, but I do understand how those big questions in life can make a person nervous. Sometimes asking those questions and maybe not even sure they want to know the answer at times because it's a big <laughs> question. So yeah, it can make the people nervous at times. All right. So Nate, I'm going to give you honors. Uh, you get to ask the question today. Okay. So today's question is, who will you listen to? <laughs> That's a simple question, right? But then again, maybe not so much. Whose voices, what messages take up too much space in your head? And who are you listening to? Yeah, I think we listen to a lot of people in life. Yeah, we listen to our doctors, our financial advisors. <laughs> of course, we listen to our moms. Of course. And our gut and our pastor, Oh, of I hope so. <laughs> our therapist. And, you know, as, as kids, I, I probably looked up to athletes, you know, the star of the Steelers or something like that, you know, whatever they had to say, I believed because I I looked up to them. And as an adult, people in the music industry, I respect what they do in their music. And so I I tend to listen to them. The the list goes on and on and on. Okay. And then, you know, I tend to look at a lot of uh, media out there and see what's going on and what people are reading and who people are listening to. So, you know, let me add to the list of the New York Times. Fox News. Fox News is in the news right now. Then there's Elon Musk, politicians on Legislative Hill right now in Tennessee, as we in Nashville are a state capital. And then out of Georgia is it voices like Jimmy Carter. And as people are remembering his words of wisdom that he said back during his presidency and post-presidency, or Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's also from Georgia. And then there's uh, the wisdom of the Enneagram. What's your number? Nate, do you know your number? I believe I'm a nine. Ooh, a nine. Mm-hmm. Oh, you are the perfect. That's that's the ideal, I guess. And then there's the rumor mill. 
uh, the sound of children playing, and the wind as she blows, the book of Psalms, your sense of self, the snake, we'll get into that today, and then Jesus, when he says, you are my beloved, Jesus, when he says, I am with you always. So what sources do you seek for news, information, and media, and whose voices and what messages take up that critical real estate in your head. And from the onslaught of messaging we receive, we are invited to choose carefully. And I'm interested in what can help us listen and filter what we're hearing to discern God's voice. That's the focus of today. And so behind today's question, who you will listen to, and indeed what is behind all of our questions is this thought that we're all seeking something. And what we hope is a around here is an unveiling of a more authentic, rooted faith. So the title of the episode is Seeking Honest Questions for a Deeper Faith. And today's question, it may feel like a challenge or a charge, is who will you listen to? Hey, we're drawing upon the resources of some great people um, with a a sanctified art. It's a group of talented individuals, artists and pastors. We've been using their resources now for a couple of seasons here in the life of the church. Their purpose is to support worshiping communities and integrating art and creativity into their spiritual practices. And uh, I just want to do a shout out to Lyle Gwynn Garrity and Lauren Wright Pittman and Sarah R. Speed and Anna Strickland and Hannah Garrity. They've been doing some really great resources, and we're so pleased to be incorporating their creativity and what we do on a Sunday morning or with our faith formation materials here at East Brentwood Presbyterian Church. And when it comes to this podcast. Yeah, we've used them multiple times and have always been blown away by their poetry and artwork and devotional booklets. They're always really well done and meaningful for sure. Yeah, and so you 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 took one of their um, their writings. Actually, in the church, it's called a benediction, and I think uh, Sarah Speed wrote it. And and then uh, you, as a musician, tell me what you did with that. Yeah, I put it to music. I I, I put a melody on it and um, debuted that on Sunday. We're going to sort of run that through Lent. I introduced it last Sunday, and we're going to sort of teach it to the congregation over the next couple Sundays and make it a part of our Lenten uh, season here. So, in order to engage in the spiritual practice of seeking. We must maintain a posture of listening, staying staying open and curious, instead of the tendency to become calloused and closed off. In, In the rotation of Scripture, there are these two Scripture passages where you'll see two different examples of listening, and I'll work them into my talk momentarily. One is the story of Adam and Eve in the garden encountering the serpent. And Adam and Eve allow the snake's manipulative voice to become louder than God's voice. And then there's the story of Jesus in the wilderness where the tempter tries to deceive Jesus, but Jesus defies the deception of the tempter by, by listening intuitively to God, to his inner moral compass, and to the teachings of his faith. So Sanctified Art uh, invites a lot of guest contributors, and one of whom is Danielle Schroer. And she's, uh, I'm going to bring her into my conversation uh, shortly. Uh, she wrote something very um, tempting as she writes, quote, In the ancient world, snakes were a symbol of transformation. Their venom held the possibility of both poison and medicine. We're going to take that up. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll keep listening when I come back and play a little with this thought in light of the two scripture passages and, uh, and how faith practices can help be medicine when there's a whole lot of poison out there for these times. Here's the prayer for Music Word, Hope, and Prayer. God, listening is always easier said than done. 
We try to quiet our minds, but the, dis- the list of distractions is long. We need your help to listen. So today, we ask that you would marinate us in your word, dust the cobwebs from our ears, crack open our hearts to make room for you. We want to hear you, really hear you. With hope we pray, amen. Well, the snakes have come out with this week's warm weather here in February in Nashville, Tennessee. They emerged from the temporary fallow of winter. Hard to believe that snakes are out at its, it's only February. Saw one that didn't make it across the road the other day out on a walk with Boomer, my dog. And on Thursday's warm, blustery day while out again on a walk with uh, my dog, Boomer, a stranger coming from the opposite direction said, hey, there's a snake ahead on the trail. Said out of curiosity or caution, I couldn't tell. I walked in the direction where the snake was supposed to be, honestly, uh, a bit more observant than I had been moments before. And in the fading light of dusk, no snake to be seen. But I did spend the remainder of time as I walked thinking about my Louisiana childhood, chasing snakes among the duckweed on the bayou across from my house in my red Washita canoe. Whether the snake was a water snake or a... (laughs) Silly me, a moccasin, I did not care. And I'm sure you have your own snake stories that we could tell. Um, Chances are the snake stories would play more upon our fear and phobia than our sense of wonder. In the ancient world, snakes were a symbol of transformation, Daniel Schroyer said, with their venom holding the possibility of both poison and medicine. In Nashville, there's a Presbyterian church downtown that uh, has 16 uh, paintings of the Egyptian god Amun-Ra, 16 paintings with um, twin cobra and hawk wings symbolizing the Egyptian god Amun-Ra, their snake being medicine. And then you can't help but to think, but those stories, as I remember in Foxfire uh, magazines of snake handling of the small little churches in the hamlets of West Virginia, North Carolina, where it was a true sign of faith if you um, uh, could handle the snakes and not get bit, or if you got bit that you lived, then you had good medicine. Our, Our human story begins in the same crux of possibility, poison and medicine. As the first humans embark in the garden and the snake is on the trail. In this week's rotation of scripture appears the story of the temptation of Adam and Eve as told in Genesis. I've put the, the passage in our episode uh, notes. The story is of Adam and Eve, you know it perhaps, are created to be equal partners in tending the world, God's garden as God's beloved, Eden, a home of beauty with riches for the soil soul and the beauty uh, and the heart and the mind, and it is described as myth as reality, where every need anticipated, every desire fulfilled, and Adam and Eve are given tremendous blessing and freedom, but also have limits set for them, in particular that they may eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except that one that gives them, as the story goes, perfect and complete Knowledge, And that's when the tempter enters the story. The snake is on the trail in the garden questioning God's command and inviting them to question their relationship with God. 
Adam and Eve falter and fail. Notice I said Eve and Adam, no blaming of the woman for all of this. There are too many centuries of awful theology from this toxic perspective. God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, the serpent says. And while the serpent didn't lie, indeed, their eyes did open, as it often goes with crafty tricksters. This isn't the whole story. Seeking the fruit of the garden, Adam and Eve allow the snake's manipulative voice to become louder than God's voice. Bottom line, Adam and Eve, mistrusting God's promise and taking matters into their own hands, wanting knowledge, the bite, the death of their innocence. And when Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden, calling out, Where are you? They understood with their eyes opened, experienced the full awareness of bearing regret and shame. Throughout the ages, the word we have used in the church is sin. And I like the way Michael Livingston recently described the condition of sin in a recording he did for day one as, quote, the garden disappearing all around you, end quote. Picture that. And with that description, he asked this question, do you know this reality, this sense of the garden disappearing all around you. Relationships eroding, mistakes multiplying, tongue-tying secrets, inhibiting freedom of speech, the sure knowledge that God knows where you are and what you've been up to, that no matter what you put on, your skin is exposed. All of it. I do, he says, and I do too. Perhaps you've been watching The Chosen. It's been streaming, and evidently it is a hot hit. It is one of the life of Jesus and offers insightful character treatments of his disciples and how each of them come to see Jesus as the Messiah. Watching it, I, I, I thought it is both too simple and yet so deeply and profoundly true to say Jesus is the answer, at least for the Christian community. How could one man, however exemplary, be the answer? You can turn to the book of Romans in chapter 5, 12 through 19. The Apostle Paul says, just as Adam stands in for humanity, Jesus in his divine particularity stands in for us. We could be like him just as we are like Adam. I can almost hear Bonhoeffer mirroring this centuries later. And if there's a key concept that Jesus brings to life in the encounters we read about in the New Testament in which the chosen, it does treat with integrity, that concept, that word that we know, but we can spend a lifetime understanding is, no, it's not just a word, but a reality. And that word and that reality is grace, that free gift, unmerited, renewing, and surprising gift of God, grace. So what I want to leave you with is that this voice of Jesus, with this message of a wider grace, is what I invite you to attune your life to. You turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, 1 through 11, and the proverbial snake is out on the trail, presenting Jesus with the same choice of poison or medicine. I'll just read just one verse of that. And again, this passage is in the episode description. 
Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The passage goes on. So while the tempter knows Scripture, Jesus understands Scripture and can say, yes, I know it says that, but it's also written this. Daniel Schroyer writes, Jesus shows us the way by choosing medicine every time. And he does so, as he does so, he teaches us what we all need to know as we fumble toward wisdom east of Eden. That when he refuses to turn bread into stone, it's because he knows his gifts and abilities are in service to something far greater than hunger. And when he refuses to test God, it's because he's already trusts God. And when he refuses the kind of loyalty that leads to worldly authority, it's because he knows power is meant for connection and not domination. Jesus knows all of this because he's been listening. Day after day, she writes, he dwells with his divine parent. He embodies the teachings he has received in the temple, on his mother's lap, in his father's shop. Jesus shows us what it looks like to walk in wisdom, to become adept at parsing out the many voices that call for our allegiance, end quote. So who will you listen to? What sources do you seek for news, information, and media? Whose voices and what messages take up so much space in your head from the onslaught of messaging we receive, we are invited to choose carefully. Yes, you see, the snakes are out with temptations, offering poison that oftentimes passes as certainty and control. We hear them across the land and and here on the legislative hill in Nashville where scripture is thrown out and tossed about because people no longer want to contend with alternative and conflicting ways of living. Scripture is quoted with certainty and knowledge and just like that, the tempter in the wilderness to to coerce. But to listen to Jesus is to take a deeper dive into the scriptures. And not to use the scriptures for certainty, but to use them for wisdom, leading towards a wider grace. Seems to me that the Bible has a lot to say to a lot of different people all the time. But the Bible is not a constitutional record of the past, but it is the living word of God. And this living word points us towards the new heaven and the new earth. And therefore, as it points us forward, it might not be the same thing for all of us. We're so, because we're so invested in a straight and narrow view of the world where there's certainty and absolutes and how we want it. But I don't think that's the biblical world. And I don't think that really gets us into deeper faithfulness. 
I was listening to a talk by Emily Towns. Uh, she's the dean of the Vanderbilt Divinity School, and she was sharing how she teaches this graduate class at Vanderbilt about the big questions. And the premise, she says, behind the class is if you can come up with a pretty good question, that's going to take you a lot further than trying to come up with an answer that may not even fit the situation. And I think we tend to do that often. We want answers. We want them now. We want certainty. And for me, faith is oftentimes about trust in the unknown. What did Paul say? The Apostle Paul is the evidence of things unseen. And she says, uh, ask the questions is to be fearless. Because we act like God can't handle our questions or our doubts. Therefore, we would be disrespectful to God to say, I have a question or I have a doubt. But I think we're all asking questions. And God, who's bigger than any of our questions, invites us to ask them. Because God is seeking us, uh, seeking after us. And we are seeking after God. And the journey is an authentic faith. Thankfully, Jesus knew the scriptures and not only knew the words, he was the word. And in the wilderness, Jesus defies the deception of the tempter by listening intuitively to God, to his inner moral compass, and to the teachings of his faith. So who will you listen to in this wilderness where the snakes and the loud voices are out, but also where God's mercies and the angels that attend us? So here's what I want to leave you with. And underscore, if we are to be like Jesus, we also must begin by listening to the voice of God at our center. For this voice tells us above all and after after it all, we are God's beloved. When we know this, we can filter out so much of the silt and grit that traps us. We can release ourselves into the arms of love and we can make space for the work of transformation to be born in us. So let me leave you with this. Faith practices can help us listen and filter what we're hearing to discern God's voice. So we begin this Lenten journey as we consider what voices might be pulling us towards more poison and less medicine. To counter that, carve out time for silence, that the still small voice of God may come into fuller focus. Listen for God, who is always there right at the center of your heart, inviting you into a deeper life of belovedness. So, what that may mean is that you may take time every day. Take time every day. Give yourself a space. And I'm not talking about hours and hours. Maybe it's only five minutes, but give yourself space to simply sit and to listen to God's mysteries in the world. I contend that will open you up in ways you won't believe. And then pick up a Bible. And my trust is that you'll come to it with new eyes and a much more open heart and know that it is something you might find life-giving. You won't get it perfect, but this story of faith in our journey is not about perfection. We're all on this journey of seeking, and to help us on our way, there is nothing like a good question. Who will you listen to? as we hope for lives transform. The voice of Jesus, with this message of a wider grace, is what I invite you to attune your life to. Thanks for listening.
May God bless you as you leave this place. May God bless you with seeking. Seek out the hungry, seek out the weary, seek the good in each person you pass. Seek out the hopeful, seek out the faithful. for joining East Brentwood Presbyterian Church today for music, hope, word, and prayer. To learn more about the life and ministry of EBPC, our commitment to being a Matthew 25 congregation, or to support this ministry with a financial contribution, visit us at our website, ebpctn.org, or visit us on Facebook at East Brentwood PC, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, EBPC videos. Thank you.